Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Definitely Manchester United. Too far for Ronaldo to think about it. Oh! Absolutely sensational! It's red in Russia. This English night in Europe is Manchester United's night. 4-0 romp over Chelsea sees Manchester United near the top of the table after the opening day of the Premier League season. We're talking that victory, Solskjaer's tactics and team selection, the end of the transfer window and previewing next Monday's game against Wolves. There's also our regular and extensive youth loan and women's roundup in the middle of the show. Jack, a, a superb win of Martial Nets. Um, Dan James celebrates passionately in front of the in front of the Stretford end after a debut goal, but it's Marcus Rashford who, who takes the headlines after doubling the opening game of the season. I want to get stuck in straight away and talk about Rashford. Um, 21 years of age, 47 goals for Manchester United in, in three and a half years now. Um, this season is, is his chance to be United's main striker, um, probably for the first time since he, he came in under Louis van Gaal and I think we just have to take a second to, to step back and think and remember that we've got one of the most prolific young strikers of, of the last decade here. It's easy to forget a lot of the time that Marcus Rashford is still only 21 years old. I mean, it, it feels like he's been around, I mean, and he has been around for quite a while now. And just because he was so young when he first broke into the team, he was obviously still 21. I mean, sometimes I have to remember he, he's four years, four, four days, sorry, older than I am. And like, like, that's pretty crazy to me. I still consider myself a relatively young, a young man. And this guy has been playing for the United first team for four seasons now. And 
sometimes it's really, really easy for us to forget that. And we do place a lot of expectations on him. And we will place high expectations on him this season because like you said, he will be expected to lead the line and be sort of, along with Martial, the main people responsible for getting us goals. But, you know, we have to remember he is 21 years old. And for a 21-year-old to have 47 goals for United and now have the responsibility of being our main striker, I mean, that that's pretty incre- incredible accomplishment, really, for a 21-year-old. And based on what we saw against Chelsea, the signs of the rest of the season are very good. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely, I think the expectation is is rightly high. Um, and that's a credit to himself and and the way that uh, the club have given him the chances and, and handled his development, to be fair, because the way that they originally kept him um, from being in too much of the media spotlight, despite the the kind of ridiculous breakthrough he had, in, including playing for England at the Euros, is uh, United did handle that well in a in a time where they've handled pretty much everything else appallingly. Um, but he's played for three years. He's almost got a goal every three matches. He scored against the rest of the top five, the rest of the top five, including doubles against Liverpool, Arsenal, and now Chelsea. Played in a World Cup semi-final and the Euro scored in a in a World Cup penalty shootout. He's won three trophies with United and now the main striker. He's just hugely talented. He's got seems to got a good attitude despite a few reports at the end of the last season, which I don't think um, we're entirely telling the full story. And it it just could be a massive season. Um, and people have just got to remember how amazing his progress has been, even though there that there have been stutters. Um, there, there hasn't been a United player with that much responsibility and that much expectation at this age since Wayne Rooney was first brought to the club. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I don't think he he isn't Wayne Rooney. Um, not not I don't think he is. He isn't Wayne Rooney. He's not the same talent. Um, w- will he go on to have the same career at United that Rooney did? Well, it's unlikely because I, I don't see United being as successful. Um, Rooney brought that United team into a new era, but was helped by yeah. a, a huge number of other individuals. Whether Rashford will be given that privilege, we'll see. Um, do, do you think in in Three years' time, who would have scored more goals in those three years, Marcus Rashford or, or Anthony Martial? That's a tough question. Um, the way I the way I see it is Rashford will create a lot more opportunities for himself because of his movement, but Martial will be more clinical, at least based on what we've seen so far. But I think it, I think it'll be Rashford. I think first, like I said, I just think Rashford puts himself in much better positions to score so so often compared to Martial. I mean. Martial's movement is probably the weakest part of his game, I would say, going forward. His movement off the ball is, is very, very poor at times. And the goal he scored against Chelsea was actually a really refreshing because it's one of the few times we've seen him get what you consider to be sort of a proper centre forward, a proper number nine's goal. So if he keeps if he keeps doing that, then it could be Martial. But I think if they're both starting every game and they're both at the club over the next sort of three, four years, I think we'll see Rashford getting more goals. I just I see him as being someone who can create stuff for himself based on A, his, his dribbling on the ball, but more so his movement. It's it's just so far superior to Martial's. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking I mean, that... just to... Sorry to interrupt you, Harry, but just look, at, just look at Rashford's second goal against Chelsea. That, you would never, ever see that from Martial. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, that's not to say that I think Rashford is a better player than Martial. They're very different players. But that kind of movement exactly at the moment when Pogba picks up the ball. You see, before Pogba's even taken his first touch, touch Marcus Rashford is gone. And he yeah. has that trust that Pogba will find him. And Martial just doesn't have that to his game. And that is the exact reason why I think Rashford will end up scoring more. Yeah, it's funny that watching United against Chelsea, it was Pogba picks up the ball and you see you see Rashford, Martial, James or, or Lingard, whoever it was, playing in that front three at the time, just absolutely charge forward, waiting for that ball. And Rashford is uh, the best at it. Dan James has that incredible pace. I was going to say, I think Martial will score more regularly 
relative to the game time than, than Rashford do. I think Martial is, is actually probably a, a, a better goal scorer and more clinical, but I think Rashford will probably end up starting more games because of his all-round game. So in that way and through that method, he'll, he'll score more goals. Um, let's move on to... to I just appreciate what a, an amazing result of a 4-0 win is against Chelsea on the opening day of the season. Um, a huge game to start off with. And the first half was... Wasn't Not convincing, was and it? And we have to keep that in perspective a little bit as well because we're all getting swept up and rightly so in such a great result on the opening day of the season. You know, we couldn't have asked for anything better. But we also have to bear in mind that we were, as Solskjaer said himself, very lucky to go in at half-time ahead. And, you know, you, you wonder, we were just talking about this off-air, Harry, before we got onto the podcast. You know, you wonder how different it might have been if either Tammy Abraham or Emerson either of the, those shots that hit the woodwork, if either one of those had gone in, you wonder how differently the game could have panned out. But, you know, we have to take take advantage of, the, of that luck. And we did we did exactly that. You know, yeah, okay, it's great that they hit the post twice and they didn't take their opportunities. But that doesn't matter if you don't end up taking your own and you don't take advantage of it. We did exactly that. And I think defensively, we grew into the game so much. You saw Maguire really t- starting to take charge of that back line, which we'll come on to a little bit more later on. But... It is important to keep a little bit bit of perspective, yeah, because, all right, it's a great start. We now have some momentum, but there were some warning signs there for sure. Yeah, and I think we'll see more. I said this after the, I think after the AC Milan game, actually, that we'll see more first halves like we did against Chelsea and more games like AC Milan throughout the season. And that's certainly worrying is, is why I don't think United will finish in the top four. But I think it's also worth remembering that it is the first game of the season. And while United have sometimes started seasons in, in fantastic form under Mourinho and Van Gaal, They've also started seasons terribly under Maria van Gaal, Moyes, um, and and yeah. Sir Alex Ferguson frequently started seasons in in terrible ways. Um, I think it's worth remembering that United can have bad halves, bad performances at the start of the season. If they get the wins, that's the important thing, and the style is what we should really be looking for and and trying to take positive. I was just about of. to say it, it's a lot about the the manner of it as well, and not only the style that we played with in the second half, but also how ruthless we were as well. You know, as soon as we got that opportunity to sort of put the game away, we did exactly that. And that's kind of what we were what we were lacking under Mourinho. You saw us so often go up 1-0 and, and then be happy to just sit back and try yeah. and defend the lead. And as soon as as soon as soon we came out for the second half, Chelsea had one attack where Emerson forced a good save out of David De Gea. And from that moment on, we were going in for the kill. We were dominant in the game. That third goal was was the all-important one because at 2-0, all right, it's tough for Chelsea to come back, but they're still in the game. But that that sort of quick 1-2 strike straight after we scored the second goal, is that that would completely kill the game off. And that is the sort of ruthlessness and the sort of intent that we just didn't have under Mourinho. Yeah, and you saw Scott McTominay during the celebrations. He pulls away from the celebrations and, and tells his players in a Steven Gerrard-esque moment, but with better consequences, that we go again. Um, yeah. And that's a really positive to see an attitude in the United squad at the moment but the, the style was the important thing the the pressure that United put Chelsea under and in fact that was that was a positive thing from the first half but I think even more positive was the way that United changed in the second half and Solskjaer stopped his team from from pressing quite so much stopped the high press allowed Chelsea to um, push United back further into their own half and then suddenly when United did win the ball back because they were they were playing a lower defensive line than they were in the first half suddenly United had this space in behind Chelsea's back line to to capitalise on and you saw that with the with the Rashford goal with the Dan James goal and with the Martial goal it was this this sudden space in behind and United used their pace on the counter to, to take advantage that was a great um, a great change in United's style from Solskjaer. Yeah absolutely That I mean we saw that counter attacking 
potential last season, especially in sort of the first six weeks or so that Solskjaer, Solskjaer was in, char- in charge. And to see that being brought into this season as well is is brilliant. And you're right, we did change the style a lot. We saw Lingard go more central as well, which was nice because I think he does a lot better in that hole than he does out wide. Defensively, we were much, much better in the second half. I thought in the first half, it was kind of strange watching us in, in a lot of ways because we would we would sort of switch between this high press and this low block and it didn't seem like there was much of a plan in terms of when we would do each one. It was almost like as soon as Chelsea crossed the halfway line, we would retreat and be very, very deep. We'd almost be sort of camping on the D at the edge of our box. But then other times, Chelsea would have the ball with Kepa and we'd have four or five players doing a really, really good job of, of you know executing that high press. So I'll be interested to see what we do moving forward and whether we are sort of more of a high pressing team like we expected or whether our sort of default is more of a, of a low block and the high press is something that we see almost as a bit of a change up. But it was refreshing to at least see that as soon as one player goes on that high press, the entire midfield and attack joins in. So we don't have any of that one-man press that we used to see from Ander Herrera last season. You know, it was nice that the entire team was sort of moving up the pitch together. And we saw quite a few times where we, we won the ball back high up the pitch. Marcy Howard had a good chance that he probably should have scored. We end, ended up hitting it straight at Kepa. You know, it, it's just a really refreshing to see us be more aggressive, both in attack and in defence. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, the interesting thing is that it might be some time before United can offer that pressing style for the, the entirety of a game. I think that's only natural after five or six years of, of certainly not playing that style and, and often playing the, the exact opposite of it. So it, it's possible that yeah, either next season or, or sooner, a few months into this season, we'll start seeing it more regularly and, and more consistently. But for now, it's it's a good sign that we can be pragmatic and, and take a step back and, and change it uh, for the better as we did against Chelsea. And right at the start of the game, you see you see the the problems that can come with the high press when you don't have a midfield that is great defensively and I I like Scott McTominay I thought he did okay against Chelsea but you know we're not talking about uh, a Roy Keane or a Fernandinho here you know and right at the start of the game Chelsea have the ball with Kepa he plays it out to Azpilicueta I think it is and then with a few nice passes I think it went into Barkley um, Mason Mount and then off Tammy Abraham and then Ross Barkley was in sort of running down the right and it, I think the cross ended up getting cut out by Maguire and that was sort of in the first or second minute of the game. And that, in a nutshell, is exactly why it's a risk for us to press so highly. Because Chelsea, through some very good play, fair play to them, managed to break that press. And suddenly there's 50 yards of space in behind Maguire and Lindelof for uh, Barkley to run into. And so without that midfielder who can break up that attack really easily, we, are, we can be left a little bit exposed. And as good as Harry Maguire is, and as well as he played... The one thing that he doesn't have in abundance is pace. And so there is a little bit of a worry moving forward. If we play play that high press, we could get caught out quite easily if teams end up breaking them through the midfield. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it, it was just nice to see United keep Chelsea. There was one point in the second half, United kept Chelsea in their own box for, for two minutes. Yeah. And Chelsea managed to keep the ball, to be fair. Um, but United just kept pushing them, pushing them further back until um, until that pressure wore off. Let's, let's talk about the team selection because I think it gives us a... a pretty good insight into socialist thoughts on on the big picture as well as the the upcoming games at the start of the season Andreas Pereira playing ahead of Matic because of his his uh, ability off the ball rather than on it definitely a positive uh worry is that he isn't good enough at the moment despite the the good ball for the second goal and there were certainly some worries about his performance against Chelsea but in general the team selection no Smalling Jones Rojo even on the bench Matic on the bench because of Pereira um Twanzebe ahead of ahead of the more senior defenders on the bench. It it was a 
is good to see and it kind of sums up what we think should ha- be happening with the squad. Yeah, I, I mean, in our in our lineup, I think every week there's going to be two positions that don't really pick themselves, maybe three. And that is who plays in midfield alongside McTominay and Pogba or potentially just alongside Pogba. And obviously this week it was Pereira and McTominay. We could in, in different weeks see sort of Matic playing in there as well. And then the other one is whether it's Lingard or Mata or potentially Mason, Mason Greenwood or Tahith Chong playing or Angel Gomez playing in the hole behind the striker. I think the rest of the team pretty much picks itself in terms of the back five and then Rashford and Martial and Pogba. I think that that is pretty much settled and it's it's those three positions that are going to be up for grabs each week. I was pretty happy with the team that Solskjaer ended up going with. Personally, I would have liked to have seen Dan James play ahead of Andreas Pereira. I understand why Pereira was picked. Defensively, probably a little bit better and he, he, he'll play a lot narrower than Dan James will. But, I mean, for me, I think when when you see us stretch the pitch is when we're at our best and Dan James gives us that. Yeah, definitely. Pereira, defensively, although he is a sort of on paper at least a more defensive-minded player than Dan James, I think when he comes and plays centrally, he... The game bypasses him a little bit too much and he doesn't offer us... He, he's very good on the ball, don't get me wrong. He's very, very good, very te- technically gifted player. But he doesn't offer us that width and that ability to hit teams on the counter, which looks like the way that we're going to be playing. I, I, I was disappointed with Pereira because um, I think the, the narrowness is, is a massive problem. As you say, United look at their best when they start to stretch the pitch, when they can counter-attack. That's we're yeah. going to come up with some difficulties against a small opposition when they sit back unlike Chelsea and, and I think unlike Wolves on next Monday but United need to, to find a way to stretch the opposition Andreas Pereira is not, not really going to give you that um, Pogba's best play comes when he has those players making the off the shoulder runs um, off the shoulder of the defence and, and really using their pace I don't think Dan James should be starting every game but I think United should certainly be looking to, to have both uh, wide players as wide as possible um, I, th- I think the big worry is the defensive positioning of the midfield but let, let's I mean let's be reasonably positive yeah. for now the new signings all impressed massively starting with Harry Maguire just quickly to um, sorry just to quickly go back to the whole Pereira and James thing I think where Pereira will be best is if we play a small sort of 4-3-3 with two natural wingers ahead of Pereira so say we played a midfield three of Pogba, yeah. Tomine, Pereira, and then you go Dan James, Rashford, Martial. I think that's where Pereira can be great because on the ball, he is very good and he can pick a pass as well as almost anyone in our squad. But when we're asking him to play as one of the three in the four-two-three-one, that's where he doesn't quite work. Um, but anyway, onto the new signings. I mean, all very, very positive. You know, Harry Maguire was rightly given man of the match. He made such a huge difference to our defence. I mean, defensively, he was an absolute rock. Nothing got past him all day. And the, uh, what was it, the third goal, I think, or the, uh, no, the second goal, sorry, when it comes from Maguire robbing Tammy Abraham on the edge of our own box and 15 seconds later, Martial's yeah. got the ball in the back of the net. I mean, that is exactly what we wanted from him. Someone who can command the area like that. And you you saw the leadership qualities throughout the whole game as well. I mean, the way he was marshalling the defence. And he, as he said in his post-match interview, even at 4-0, he was saying, you know, we have to get this clean sheet. He was as aware of any as anyone that we only had two clean sheets at Old Trafford last season. And he he was desperate to get that on his debut and he deserved it. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what he wanted to be here. I mean, 
you think I think it was 2009 when United's defence and, and Edwin van der Sar got a record 14 clean sheets in a row and that's just an absolutely incredible statistic and that, that shows you that United's best sides weren't just built on the, the amazing attack of, of Rooney, Ronaldo, Tevez, Berbatov um, and the amazing midfield of Carrick, Scholes, um, Giggs they were founded on 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 this brilliant defense um will harry maguire be the, the be the man to bring that kind of defensive solidity back to united I, I think he'll go at least somewhere about to doing that um really really impressed with him and and the way he stepped out of defense with the ball as well as his defensive quality was refreshing uh lindelof looked better yeah. next to him united still certainly looked shaky particularly in that first half and there were there were there were still some quite glaring issues there but Maguire Maguire properly impressive um, and I, I loved it for the I can't remember which goal it, I think it was the, the Rashford goal where Pogba fed him through and Pogba's running over to celebrate and Maguire storms behind him and jumps in his face and it's kind of you get that yeah. you get that realisation that for even for these elite level footballers on this huge amount of money they just get this satisfaction of, of these hugely talented players playing in front of them and Maguire had clearly watched that Pogba Rashford link up from behind and just thought what an amazing goal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he looked like a little kid running over to celebrate with Pogba. And, you know, you've got to remember, yeah, okay, Harry Maguire is an extremely accomplished footballer, you know, played in a World Cup semi-final with England, been in a, in a very good Leicester team for the last couple of years. But playing for United at Old Trafford is, is something else. And especially for someone who was so desperate to join us. I mean, that is just such an incredible feeling for him. And to have it on his debut be such a great game for us, I mean, it's it's really the stuff that dreams are made of for him. And I'm I'm so happy that he came in and did make such a big difference. Uh, to talk about the other new signings for a little bit, just so we don't do that, the whole podcast on Harry Maguire, although we, we easily could. Um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, I thought, looked very, very solid defensively. I mean, it was kind of what we expected from him. You know, defensively, very, very good. I mean, he's he just the guy in the in the pub that I was watching it in. And in fact, shout out to uh, McGann's Irish pub in Boston, the uh, United Supporters Club here. It was great atmosphere down there. Um, you know, guy in the pub kept saying he's he's like a spider. He's, his legs just seem to be absolutely everywhere. And it's a pretty good way of describing him. It just seems like no one can get past him. Going forward, you know, he's not not the most polished player at the at the moment, but hopefully that will improve. And then Dan James, I mean. Yeah just such a great moment for yeah him. I just before we go into Dan James and, and reveling that, that brilliant moment wan is just such an his style of defending is so unorthodox but it's, it's fantastic and I said this in the, in, the, in the last episode I think just seeing someone go in for a challenge and having the confidence and this applies to Maguire as well actually having the confidence that they will not either injure themselves or bring down the play and give away a foul and get booked is, is so satisfying and seeing a starting defence without the without a makeshift fullback or an an under par central defender is 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 fantastic and it, it's so much confidence and it will help De Gea as well. But yeah, Dan James, what a, what a fantastic goal! Um, Pogba on the break and great quality. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Pogba in a second, but James gets a little bit lucky with the finish, but his pace meant that he could get there and the celebration was was something else. Watched it so many times. Um, I think it's, it's the same thing goes with Maguire that I said a second ago. Elite football can be so impersonal at times at almost every time but that was that was special oh mate I mean that that moment it it's just such an incredible feeling for him I can't I honestly can't, just can't imagine what he must have been going through what he must have been feeling in that moment I mean for a guy who's come in at 21 years of age like I said I'm 21 now and just I was thinking after the game could I imagine what I would feel like if I just made my debut and scored in front of the Stretford end I mean 
I don't, I don't think I'd ever be able to go out on a football pitch again because nothing would be able to top that, you know? It's just such an incredible moment for him. And especially to think, you know, his dad passed away so, tragically just a few days before he signed for United. So never got to see his boy in a United shirt. And on his debut at Old Trafford, he, he scores in a 4-0 win over Chelsea at the Stretford end. I mean, you know, the yeah. dreams dreams don't, don't get any better than that, really. And you could see what it meant to him in the celebration. And he's deserved that goal because so often in pre-season, you, he's had those kind of moments so often and he hasn't quite managed to find the finish and just the, the runs that he puts in are so good his movement looks brilliant and I hope now that can be a real a really good springboard for him going forward I don't think there's too much pressure on him there isn't that many expectations at least there wasn't before the Chelsea game maybe there are now but I think he's in such a good position to just go out there and, and you know show us what he can do with with very little pressure on him and I hope he does get the chances to be able to actually show us that yeah it's just, you think about you think about the six months that he's had in January, he almost joined Leeds United and, and Swansea owner Hugh Evans pulled the, the plug on the move um, because he thought that the finances wasn't right at the very last minute. Um, was about to join Leeds and then he's coming close to joining Man United and, and um, his dad passes away, joins Manchester United um, under under a lot of pressure. Um, but it, it's just an incredible thing. And then to beat the, the club that he supported when he was a kid, Chelsea, um, and score on his debut in front of the Stretford end. Uh, amazing, amazing moment. Um, and you saw how much not only it meant to him, but also you saw the the passion from the other players in celebrating him. And they they clearly know how much it, it means to him as well. And the the confidence the United squad at the moment is is fantastic. Uh, the other kind of there were a lot of a lot of weirdly personal moments which you don't see that much, as I was saying. But Martial nine looks perfect again. He's got the number nine back and I think it will, it will help with his confidence and after he scored, he, he pointed to the back of his shirt. I think taking the nine off him after the season he, he had in that shirt when he arrived at the club was a mistake and I'm, yeah. I'm very pleased they've given it back to him and he will he will fill that shirt. I'm confident of it. And any time I see him in that shirt, I'm just instantly taken back to um, Martin Tyler's commentary of his yeah. goal against Liverpool on debut. Which I think, I think it must have been a problem for him. And uh, f- footballers can be incredibly confident but they can also be extremely unsure of themselves. And to have that number taken off you after such an incredible debut season, yeah. it, it would have been rough. Right, Very, very quickly on, on Paul Pogba, some obvious poor moments, but he won the ball back 14 times, five times in Chelsea's half, more than anyone else on the pitch. He's he's the best player in United's team, but I think maybe it's time we accepted he, he wouldn't be the best player in an elite top team. He would be one of the three, four standout players, but can't do everything. But on the pitch against Chelsea, he did come up with the moments that, as they would say in American sports, he came up with the clutch moments. Yeah, it's exactly the kind of player he is. I think the game against Chelsea pretty much summed him up as a player. There were some moments where he got the ball in our own half. And he, he did this within the first couple of minutes of the game starting, where a moment where he, he receives the ball from one of the centre-backs, I think it might have been Lindelof, and instead of just playing an easy pass, he tries to turn out of trouble and just turned into more trouble. And then Chelsea have the ball 25, 30 yards from our own goal. And he did that on a number of, ca- of occasions. And I think in the first half on the ball, he was pretty poor. But what you saw from Pogba that wasn't normal, like you said, was that defensive work and how he was really joining in with that press, which we had, don't usually see off the ball. He was very, very good. And then comes the quality moments that you expect from him. And that is the difference between Paul Pogba and nearly every other midfielder in world football. Now, I'm not saying he's the best midfielder in the world. He's definitely not. But in terms of the quality that he can produce, there are only a few players who can match up to him. Yeah. And you see that in, firstly, the run for the fourth goal. I mean, the 
the, the amount of ground he covered in that space of time. And you see from his, A, the, the, the combination with Martial, which is a brilliant little one-two. And then the, the dribbling where he completely changes his dribbling style to, to stay in front of, uh, I think it was Azpil Equator who was, who was chasing him. And the ball for Rashford's goal. I mean, that, that is just simply world class. There's nothing else that you can say about that. The weight on the pass is simply sublime. And it, it's the kind of pass that he's played so often in the last few seasons that hasn't been buried the way that it should. Yeah. We saw it so many times in Ibrahimovic's season at United where he'd be playing Ibrahimovic in so often and so often the chances would go begging. And it was the same story with Lukaku. And I'm just so happy that Rashford buried that chance because the pass deserved the goal. Yeah, it's, it's what we go back. We've said it a few times over the last couple of seasons is it's that unique set of attributes that you just don't see in, in any other player in, in world football. And the thing is that now he's... In his words at the start of preseason, he he agitated um, for a move away. But in his actions in preseason, he he, sh- he showed at least a level of commitment. He was dedicated. He was certainly more dedicated than than Romelu Lukaku. And he was the last player on the pitch after full time at Old Trafford on on Sunday. He was taking photos, etc. It's very different to the Cardiff game at the end of last season, where um, he was arguing with fans at at the stadium. And it, it sums up the whole mood shift around the club, in, including Popper. Let's move on to onto the transfer window very, very quickly. Ended with no more signings apart from apart from Harry Maguire, which we discussed in the in the last episode. And if you look at the bigger picture now, we're we're basically relying on a twenty one and a twenty three year old to get almost all of our goals this season with a backup of a seventeen year old Academy player. It it really could go in, in any direction. It could be uh the the problem I have with it is it if it goes very well, then the current set of, of owners at the club will, will never learn. And they will be praised. In fact, they won't be praised for it, but they will they will think they've done the right thing. And they will certainly get praise from some people for, for backing the youngsters. But we haven't backed the youngsters. We just haven't backed the manager. Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating, but horribly unsurprising is probably how I'd sum it up. I don't think any of us really expected anything different from the last time that we, we did an episode. Uh, at that point, it was pretty clear that Maguire was the only person that we was, should be expecting to sign and it's just incredibly frustrating. I tweeted this in something of a tongue twister, but everything about our summer was so frustrating because, and the thing that I tweeted was all of the players that we signed were the right players, but we didn't sign all of the players that we needed. It's incredibly frustrating because you could see that actually some things were starting to change in the club and we were starting to target the right players. And we spoke about that and we actually praised the board a little bit in the first episode of season five. And it was so frustrating that we just didn't quite get it over the line and didn't get those one or two more signings that would have genuinely made this transfer window sort of eight, nine out of 10 window for us. So that is frustrating. But at the end of the day, I do think that the three signings we've made are very good signings. I think they are the exact type of players that we need, both in terms of the positions that they play and also how much they want to play for the club. And I know that's such a cliche, as I said last week, in terms of, oh, people need to want to play for the shirt and love the club. And we're not saying that everyone needs to have supported United since they were a boy to come and play for the club, but they need to be players that actually want to join us. Not not that they're just coming so they can sit on the bench and earn 300k a week and occasionally show up. You know, we want players like Harry Maguire, like Aaron Wan-Bissaka, like Dan James. You can see how much it means to them to play for the club. And it does make a big difference when players are like that. It just does because they care so much more and they are willing to put in those extra hard yards on the training ground. Yeah, I think the problem with United that, that we've seen this summer is they, they've willfully gone down the route of a of having a really small transfer committee. It's not a transfer committee. What other clubs have is a, is a group of people dealing with their transfer negotiations. United have 
ended up with a pretty unbalanced squad, which is far too big and is is high on on the number of players, but <laughs> low in quality in a number of areas. Yeah. And it's it's completely predictable when you look at how United deal with transfers. When you've got a chief executive in Ed Woodward, and then uh, kind of a head of head of negotiations in Matt Judge, and that's that's pretty much it. And it's no surprise then that, you, that this happens. Well, you can tell how bloated the squad is. You know, we said at the start of the episode how great it is that Small and Jones <laughs> and, and Darmian aren't in the matchday squad. And it is, but they shouldn't be at the club. Yeah, that's the that's point. Four, that's four senior players who we're happy aren't in the matchday squad. In the squad at all. And you can, you can still make a good United squad without those four senior players. And they're not good enough. And the bench wasn't good enough. And the starting lineup's not good enough. That shows you how how bloated things are, and United just didn't do enough in, in the transfer window. Yeah. We didn't replace a, a, a departing central midfielder. We didn't replace Romelu Lukaku, who left as well, and that's only increased the pressure on the new arrivals of Maguire, Wambasaka, and James. And hopefully, they they bring United up to well, a level rather can... than what we've seen with every other signing in the last five years, is where United have brought those brilliant players down to their level: Di Maria, Falcao, uh, Matic, Lukaku, Pogba, even have all been brought down to United's level rather than bringing the club up to theirs. So hopefully we see we see things change. Well, what you're saying about, you know, how small our negotiating team is, and like I said, it's not really a team, it's really just two people. For those of you who watched the um, the All or Nothing series about Man City, there's a scene in one of the episodes, one of the early episodes in there, where they're deliberating on a signing. I can't remember who it is now. But you see there's a team of about 10 people deciding on the, on the transfer and whether to go through with it or not. You've got uh, Shiki Be- Begaristan, however you pronounce his name, I probably completely butchered that. You've got Sheikh Mansour, the owner, and a group of about eight or nine other people that make up City's executive board. And they're all deciding as a team whether to go through with this signing. And they won't go through with it unless it's a unanimous decision. That is exactly the kind of structure that makes you make good decisions because there's more due, dil- due diligence going on. There's more thought going into the signings. But at the same time, they are all fully, fully committed to backing their manager. And that is what we're missing. We're missing that team that is willing to go out there and properly, not not properly scout, because we have a very good scouting network, but properly decide on what kind of players they want, making a strategy and sticking to it. But at the same time, totally backing the manager and getting players in, to, in the vision that the manager wants. And that that is why City... I mean, we all, we all complain about how much City have spent and they have spent a lot of money. But how many of their signings are flops? Very, very few. They spend their money well. They spend it efficiently because they have the right structure in place. And as much as it pains me to say this, they are the best run football club in the world at the moment, in my opinion. You look at what they've done in the last 10 years, not just in terms of on the pitch, but off the pitch with the structures they have. That is what we need to be. We need to be trying to do, have that kind of efficiency. I'm not saying that's the only way to, to go about it, but the way we're going about it certainly isn't the right way right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely painful to watch. Um, we will uh, we will talk more about this in in future episodes, I'm sure. And it, 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 as you say, the three signings we made were all very good. I'm very pleased we brought these three players in. More needed to be done. Um, more needs to be done to to clear out the squad of Deadwood. And we've said that for the last six years. It's just the the fact that these constant problems continue is 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 the most frustrating thing um and on the other hand it, it's a huge positive and, and is a chance for united to have a set of five or six academy players in the starting 11 over the next five years who will genuinely be of, of united first team quality um i think james garner has been promised playing time in the first team and a, a full-time role in united's first team squad is, is is said to be becoming inevitable and it's that kind of step up that and progress that this 
transfer failure will give some of United's young players. You've already got Rashford, Lingard, McTominay, yeah. and you've got you've got the younger signed players like Dan James, Wan Bissaka, and then you've also got Garner, Gomez, Greenwood, Chong, um, and I think Greenwood and Garner are the two we're really going to see this season make huge, huge progress and become United first team players by the time next season starts. So that that is the the positive way to look at it. Yeah. But it's certainly not a matter to to praise the club over because. Well, it's a matter to praise the club's academy over, but it's not a matter to praise any other section of the club because it's because of their failure that this this chance has been given. And on the subject of youth, we better um, move Just on quickly, to Harry, our... Just one last thing for me. I'm, I'm aware of how, how long we're running over, but to end, kind of end this on a more positive note, it is incredibly exciting when you think about how much young talent we have in our squad. We did not have a single outfield player against Chelsea over 26 years of age. We had the youngest starting yeah. eleven in the entire league against Chelsea, and we're beating Chelsea four 0 with that squad. We've got the likes yeah, of it is. it's Greenwood, incredible. Dan James, Tahith Chong, James Garner, Ethan Laird, Angel Gomez. You know, so much talent. Axel Twanzebe as well. So much talent coming through. And so, yeah, the, the transfer dealings are very, very frustrating, and rightly so. We're all very annoyed about it. But you're right in that the opportunities that it creates is bloody brilliant. And to think about how much talent we have in that squad and how young we are as a squad. And I said this on the last episode, we might look back on this season in a few years as the season that really opened those opportunities and ended up creating some some brilliant players yeah. in the future. And it is the average age United team against Chelsea was 24, which one of the youngest for years. And, and as you say, the youngest in the, in the Premier League opening weekend. So that's something certainly to be proud of. And United are nearing 4,000 consecutive matches with a, an academy graduate in the in the first team match day squad. So it's it's certainly something to be proud of while our, our team is doing something. And I think it's been a while since we've had less than two in the squad. Yeah, honestly. Moment, definitely. Right. Um, regular Manchester United weekly podcast youth and loan roundup is, is back. Let's start with some results. The under-18s managed a 3-0 win over Sunderland with goals from Charlie McCann, Anthony Alanga and a debut strike for Charlie Wellens. Jimmy Garner scored twice as United's under-23s beat West Brom 5-0 in their opening game. Other goals from Ramazani, Melo and Levitt. In United's first ever game in the EFL Trophy, the under-21s beat Rotherham 2-0 in a very impressive performance against their senior side. Andrew Gomez was captain at 18 years old. Rotherham's captain Captain was over a foot taller um, and 34 years old. So, uh, great challenge for United. Gomez hit two very close free kicks in the first half before goals came from Ethan Laird and largely Ramazani from the right wing. Great win for Neil Wood's team and, and that tournament will provide fantastic development this season. United entering it for the first time, the old Johnston's Paints Trophy. In low news, plenty of players have gone out. We won't list them all. I'm sure we'll talk about them in the, in the coming weeks. Aidan Barlow has joined Tromso until December 2019 in Norway. United have signed Tromso player Isaac hansen Aaron, uh, 14-year-old. He'll join when he turns 16. He first came on trial at the club when he was 10 after impressing at a Norwegian United soccer school. United have actually signed, I think, five or six uh, European youngsters who are, have all been given international clearance. I think now maybe a couple are still waiting, but they'll be an exciting prospects to watch. The main loan move is probably goalkeeper Joel Pereira to Hearts um, in Scotland. Should be good experience there. And in fact, Kieran O'Hara, who's joined Burton Albion, and George Tanner, who's joined Morecambe, have been drawn to face each other in the second round of the EFL Cup after both teams won in the first round. In women's news, captain Alex Greenwood has left the club to join Lyon, one of Europe's very best sides. Uh, it'll be hard to replace her, but so disappointing, but um, shows the quality the United side do have. Casey Stoney remains manager and United managed a 5-0 win recently in a friendly against Sarnfjord. Um, Jack, that's all for the roundup. So let's move on to Wolves. Monday night, um, 
United starting the season with a late Sunday um, and a Monday kickoff always feels a bit underwhelming at the start of the season. I'm going for a 2 1 win for United, as I predicted for Chelsea. So, same again. Yeah, I'll go same again, 2 1 from behind. Um, it's going to be a very tough game. I mean, obviously, lost, lost there twice last season. But, I mean, tough not to be confident coming out of this one. I'm actually going to be even more optimistic. I reckon another clean sheet, another Harry Maguire masterclass, and a 2 0 win. <laughs> Good. That's what we like to hear. I've just been speaking to the the Wolves podcast, the 77 Club, and he said, do you think uh, that the top six will be penetrated this season? And I said, I think it'll be the closest it's been for, for some time, but I don't think it will happen. Um, and this is, this is an important result into stopping that happening. Um, two massive games to start the season. Uh, one looking upwards for United to try and finish above Chelsea and one looking kind of downwards and backwards to try and not be overtaken by Wolves. I yeah, think I think if Wolves didn't we'll, have Europa League, then I'd be very very strongly yeah. in backing them to overtake Chelsea yeah we've got uh, we've got one question from uh, Marcus who says can United keep it up from the Chelsea win um, and I guess Wolves is, is the first start to, to doing that a clean sheet would be fantastic a big win would obviously be, be fantastic but the most important thing I think at the start of this season with the defensive signings is a few clean sheets and a, and a couple of solid wins um, and, and I hope that we, we fulfil your prediction of 2-0 um, Lineup should be almost exactly the same you would think yeah uh, I'd be very surprised if the only change really I can see coming is maybe Pereira coming out for Dan James or maybe Matic if Solskjaer wants to go a little bit more defensive playing away from home but I, I think the rest of the team pretty much picks itself at the moment yeah I, I think interestingly this will it shows how good Wolves have been and how much their status has grown I think United will approach this game very similar to the to the Chelsea one um, yeah and and that that shows the the respect given towards Wolves at the moment. Um, will we go even more defensive? It's possible, um, but it's possible also that United will will gain an advantage from Wolves being confident in themselves. And I think that will be why United win by by a couple of goals on the counter attack. Uh, can United keep it going for the, for the start of the season? I think we have to be positive and say yes for now. I think we'll lose within the opening six or seven games, but for now, I think I, I think we're both reasonably confident, despite knowing that this season we could eat. I think we will finish outside of the top four yeah so do I but I, I would I will say I think a lot of our players are confidence players Rashford Martial Pogba even Luke Shaw to some degree Lindelof they're all confidence players for me and I think the 4-0 win against Chelsea will do them all the world of good and you see that we quite often in the last couple of years we're it's quite a streaky team we go on a good run for five six games where we we're sort of beating everyone in our path and then we'll go in and get into a rut like we did at the end of last season. So hopefully this will be the start of a very good run um, and some of those players will be high on confidence and carry on that form. Yeah, absolutely. I think United's problems will come middle and uh, the mid to end of the season um, and f- we'll actually start the season pretty well. Um, so Well, and it'll be as soon as we get a couple of injuries. There was a moment against Chelsea when Martial looked like he might be, he might have got a little knock and, you know, then your mind starts racing that, hang on, we're now down to relying on Mason Greenwood to start every game if Martial's out injured. And that's where it's scary. Because <laughs> yeah. Mason Greenwood is a great talent, but I don't think he should be relied upon to be our starting striker, which will happen if we get one injury to Rashford or Martial. Yeah, then we'll, then we'll have to change the, the the system. It is worrying. Uh, let's try not to think about it too much. Let's revel in the fact that we've just beaten Chelsea 4-0, which is an incredible way to open the season. Marcus Rashford's going to Dan James and, and the squad seems uh, united again. Hopefully United can, can keep uh, Paul Pogba 
while the European transfer window continues until September the 2nd. But that's all we have time for on the Manchester United Weekly Podcast on Series 5, Episode 3. Thank you for joining us, as always. Uh, for more from us throughout the week, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTDTAIT. And you can find me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Have a great week, as always, um, and enjoy the game on Monday night. Goodbye. Network.